Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. I'm going to preach out of um, Samuel, the book of Samuel, chapter well, 4, but I'm going to start off in chapter 4. Uh, I, I'm going to start in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, and uh, today um, uh, we, we're, we're continuing the series of King of Hearts, um, and the reason for this series is just, I, I want to explore throughout the Bible all of the places where we find ourselves in a place where we are crowning things other than God, other than Jesus, who is meant to be the one that we crown as the Lord of our lives. And the, 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 the thing about this subject is, often it's been approached as a, from the, from the position of, you know, we need to make sure that um, God is the King of our lives. And if, if He's not the King of your life, you know, if work has taken place, if your marriage has taken place, if something else has taken place, then you're a naughty person, you shouldn't do that and you need to stop, Right? But it isn't that simple, is it, really? And what I mean is, is, it's actually quite difficult and we find ourselves in a position where we've allowed something to become the king of our heart. At least, that's what I found in my own experience. And um, I, I'm going to only preach out of how God has taken me through these things and is taking me through these things. I'm by no means got it together, but... Um, I have found in my own world, in my own life, I'm like doing life and all of the sudden, I find myself in a place where I'm like, man, the way I'm acting, what I'm doing, the way things are going down right now, this is, this is not how a Christian is meant to act. How did I get into this place? How did I, how did I get here? It's not like I made a sort of like a, a conscious choice. I'm, I just, I'm just walked into this zone where I'm just outside of what God wants for me. And I just know that when I'm in those places, I begin to feel this loss and this sorrow and this hurt and this pain. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's those simple things that we just, it's like we walk into, it's like we see a door and we walk through it and like all of a sudden we're like, oh, hey, how did I get here? And I, I've been trying to explore that throughout the Word and just help, even for myself, just to, 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 to help us be aware of the, the things that take us into that place that God never meant us to be, which is outside of His will. He, he wants you within His will. He wants you in relationship with Him. He, he wants you to be in His presence always. But it's, it's not Him who disappears. Often it's, it's us that walk out of that presence. So I'm going to explore that and just stay with me because it might get a little bit confusing because I'm going to try and use a story to, to underline how this works and you, you'll get it, okay, you'll get it in the end, hopefully. Give me grace, Lord, to communicate your message well. Let's read this, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1. Now... The Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer. Everybody say Ebenezer. Ebenezer. It's a good word, isn't it? Ebenezer. 
the Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. Okay? So the Philistine, the Israelites, well, they're, they're getting defeated. Now, when the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our, of our enemies. Okay, so you, you, you're following? So they get defeated. They think, what are we going to do? We need to uh, get God into this situation. Why don't we bring the Ark of the Covenant? Okay, for those of you who may not know what that is, it's okay if you don't. You're not expected to come in knowing all of the things in the Bible. But the Ark of the Covenant back in those days was the, was the place where God actually sat. His presence was upon that Ark and it represented a covenant. That's why it's called the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, so the, uh, that covenant was an agreement that God had set with his people. And he had said, okay, if you do these certain things, then I shall always be with you. It's a covenant. Okay, you understand? You're with me? So they think, well, why don't we bring that thing, that, 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 that covenant box that God sits upon into our battlefield so that well, then, then because we've done something right, maybe God will give us favor. So the, so, the men, so the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty who was enthroned between the cherubim and Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas. Okay, these are two characters I want to focus on. They were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such, such a great shout and the ground shook. Have you ever had that moment where you're like, okay, I got it right. I got it down with God. And I'm feeling confident right now. I'm walking into my battlefield and everything's going to be all right because I got God with me. Well, they, they did that. And hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what is all the shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into the camp, they said. Oh no, nothing like this has ever happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, Philistines. Be men. Don't be women. Be men. Or you will be subject to the Hebrews, as they have been to you, be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost thirty thousand foot soldiers, and the ark of the Lord, or the ark of God, was captured. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phineas. God. How did this happen? How did this happen? God was there. How did God allow this? 
How would something this, like this, this tragic ever happen? It's not fair. Well, I just want to pull it back a little bit. See, Hophni and Phinehas were two interesting lads. They were the sons of a guy called Eli, who was the judge of Israel. Back then, when God would speak, he would use a particular person, okay, and speak through that one person. That person wasn't a king, he was just a voice. And he would, he would bring the voice of God to the people, okay, and he would also judge the people. He would help them with conflict resolution. That's what he would do. That was all that he would do. He wasn't a king, he wouldn't rule over them, he was just a servant, okay? And throughout the Bible, you see these judges uh, who, are, who, who, who are always present. Eli had these sons, and, and the way it would work is they were meant to take over the job of Eli, but these two boys were wicked. They were bad. In fact, they were so bad that they actually brought a curse on Israel. Now, when they were present with the ark, they weren't meant to be present with the ark because they were unclean. There was a certain amount of things that, that you would have to follow in order for the covenant to be fulfilled. They didn't, they didn't do any of that stuff, so, so they just went and thought that they were worthy enough to stand by the ark and everything would be okay because that's just a token. That's just the thing that we just do in order to, to make God happy. But you see, that's not how God works. There's, there was a covenant in place. There was an agreement in place. They should have known better. But here's the thing that's unfair. Because they didn't fulfill the covenant, it brought, an, it brought a curse on the entire nation. And, the, and, and it changed the course of history for that entire nation. It was wrong, it was injustice, it wasn't fair, it wasn't right. Now, if you push this forward, okay, to the time when there's another man that God raises up because Hophni and Phinehas weren't, weren't right before God. God raises up another guy. His name is Samuel. His name is Samuel. So when Samuel comes along, he's a judge again. And you know what? His sons also failed God. They also got out, out of line. I don't know whether it was just because these men of God were so busy doing ministry that they, their kids were getting neglect, neglected. Probably is the reason why, but these boys kept on messing up and bringing curses on the nation. But this time, um, when, when Samuel was, was the judge, the, the, the Israelites, they rose up and said, no, 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 we don't, we don't want you guys ruling us anymore. We had enough of that. We want a king. We want a king. So, so I, just, I just said that to help you see that back in the history of these people, there was, a, there was an injustice that brought them to a place where they chose something other than what God wanted for them. Because of injustice, they chose something other than what God wanted for them, okay? I want you to get this. Because of injustice, they, did, they chose something other than what God want, wanted for them. Because of Ebenezer. Because in Ebenezer, injustice was done. They were in a position to win. They were in a position where they could have been taking land, but instead it was taken from them. And the very thing that they put their hope in, the very thing that was the, that was the, that, that was the thing that they put their hope in, the ark was taken from them. They had lost everything. Imagine, had that not happened, how things would have been. If Hophni and Phinehas hadn't have done that, it just wasn't fair, our lives would be different. Have you ever come to a place where you're saying, because that person did this, my life is this? Now you're seeing it. You're like, oh, that's what he's getting on about. Okay. 
Because of that injustice, I am now dot, dot, dot. Because they did this to me, I am now dot, dot, dot. Because they took that from me, I am now in this position because of them, because of them. That injustice and that injustice. Well, I, why would I? See, see we, we come to this place. I, when you read this, you've got to read this story because you come to this place. Like, how did they choose other than what God wanted for them? Why did they choose that? I'll tell you why. It's because they were justified in choosing other than what God wanted for them. You've you got to understand something. You've got to understand something. The biggest trap that the enemy will set for any person is the trap of justified sin. Justified sin works like this. It works like this. It goes, because that person sinned against me, I'm excusing my own sin. Now, I'll put it in another way to help you see it. Have you ever seen an alcoholic who is raging out of control with alcoholic, alcoholism and they are doing so and you, you, you begin to wonder, why, why is that person an alcoholic? And you begin to discover, okay, they had a dad who was never there and they were totally neglected as children. And so I understand why that person is sinning against his own family because he was sinned against. Okay? Now, I'm not... I'm not um, making a villain of someone who is struggling through life because of what is done to them, because I, I'm telling you something, I think we've all been marked by some sort of sin, okay, that someone has done against us, that has made us who we are, that has marked us, that, is, that has put a score on us that, that we may not ever really be able to completely remove. But herein lies where the enemy kind of lurks. He's waiting because He is waiting for us to come to this place where we make an excuse for our sin because of the sins of others. It's justified sin. And this can happen in, 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 in big ways and in small ways. In a small way for me, I mean, this is kind of funny, but it's not really funny, is, is, is on the on the roads. When I'm driving, I drive myself. Driving used to be relaxing. I used to think, now all I can think about is that I must not get killed. Or I must not run over some random pedestrian that walks in front of my car. Okay. Now, I'm Australian, right? In Australia, um, I'm just giving... If you ever go to Australia, do not jump a queue. People get murdered for less, okay? I mean, in Australia, you just don't jump queues. Now, the whole road is full of queue jumpers. I just don't get it. I'm just like... Now, when I first came here... Man, I was, like, if, if, I was like a pressure cooker. So every time I drove, and Rachel's like, she's praying in tongues, you know. Just, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Like, that guy's done that, and that guy's done that, and this guy's done that, and blah, 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 blah. Until such time, it's like I was just so angry. And I'm like just cursing out like people and like... like you know, like I'm just like becoming, it's like I'm just glad no one, like God had the grace that no one here ever saw anything of that <laughs> version of myself. Like I'm just, rah, you know. You know why I was allowing that in my life? 
because they wronged me, so therefore I'm justified to do whatever I want. You understand? It's justified sin. It's justified sin. All of a sudden, little old me in his car, and I'm completely justified, but not before God. I'm outside of the will of God. Do you understand? I'm outside of the will of God when I act like that. Because, and the Bible talks a lot about anger. Don't, don't, don't do things in anger. Do everything in love. How the heck do I drive in love? <laughs> oh, man. Right? <laughs> do everything in love. So, you know, one day God, God um, He spoke to me. Now, it doesn't always like happen like this, but I was like, God, how the heck am I meant to be sane in this driving? I want to keep driving. I like to drive. And how do I do this? I felt the Lord just say, for every person that wrongs you on the road, just forgive them straight away. Just say it out loud. And so I literally do this now. When they wrong me, I say, I forgive them, Lord. I forgive them. Sometimes I have to say it out front of everyone that's in the car, just so I'm like keeping myself in check. Justified sin. It's the most dangerous sin that we can ever have. And let me tell you, what Hophni and Phinehas did to the nation of Israel was wrong. There are things in our world, in our lives, that were done to us, that were wrong, that were not right, that should never have been done. There were things that have been done to all of us that had they not been done, maybe our temperament would be different. Maybe our personalities would be different. Maybe the way we handle our emotions would be different. Maybe depression wouldn't be there and we wouldn't have to struggle with it. Maybe substance reliance and abuse wouldn't be there. If a father had been there, if a mother had been there, if a person hadn't abused, if a boss hadn't overlooked, if a family member didn't do what they did, we would be different, just like the Israelites. It would have been different. And see, in their justified sin, they moved into a place where things did not get better. It got worse. It got worse and worse because they were outside of the covenant that God had for them. Now, we have a different covenant. Who knows that? Because of Jesus, we have a different agreement. It's different to the Israelites had. It's not the same. A lot of people make a mistake when they start reading the Bible. They, they go and read the Old Testament and they begin to, oh, wow, okay, okay. That, that is not the covenant that we live under now. Jesus fulfilled that entire covenant. We need to know the covenant that Jesus set. This is the covenant that Jesus set. If you confess, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. That, that's it. So if you believe in Christ, okay, and all that He did, and everything He said, and all that He, you know, represents and you confess that with your mouth, then there's this new covenant. But, but um, people say, oh yeah, all I believe, I believe, I believe. But no, but you've got to understand something. There's a lot to that word belief. There's a lot. I mean, you've got to understand sin. 
you've got to understand the reason why Jesus actually died on the cross. It's not so that we could have Easter eggs. There's a reason behind it. You've got to understand what Jesus said, what He taught, and why. To, to, to actually begin to walk into a true belief. One of the things, one of the most important things that Jesus said was um, uh, within, within our belief system, okay, is if, if, you've got, if you've, got to, you've got to love others like I have loved you, right? So that's part of our covenant. We walk into this, as we believe in this, we begin to put aside what we want and we begin to walk into what He wants for us. And in that, we begin to walk into this righteousness that has been set for us, that, that has been downloaded by the Holy Spirit, that, is, that we begin to walk into. It's called our sanctification. We get saved and then we begin to get saved as we go along. And if we, if we don't understand this, we can, we can actually go outside of the will of God. And another thing that Jesus said, it's in Matthew chapter 6. Okay, let's read it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15. And this is hard says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now just hold up a second. That's not fair. Let's read that again. Just see if I miss something then. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Okay, but if you do not forgive the others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ah, oh, man, Jesus, stop getting real. Stop taking it really, really close to the bone. I just want to have you, Jesus, but I don't want to change. <laughs> but see, this covenant that we have with Christ, this belief in Him, this following of Him, you either believe that or you don't. And, uh, well... Um, here's the deal. You'll be shown up by what you do. What you do will actually show up what you believe. Okay, so Jesus, just he, he always takes it there, really real. And He brings us to a place where we're like, oh man, I can't do that. And He's like, exactly, that's why you need me. That's why you need to give up yourself and give your heart to me and come and walk with me because I've done all of that on the cross. I've won this for you. I want you to begin to walk in it with me in grace, in mercy, in reliance, in faith. But let's bring this back to Hophni and Phineas. And my question is this. With Hophni and Phineas, does this scripture apply? Should have those guys been forgiven? And the answer is yes. See, and here's why it's important. See, when it comes to real injustice, what we tend to do is we get the torch and we go, for our whole lives, you see the torch? I've got a torch on you. Go, no, no, it. God, I pray for them. And these people might even be dead, you know. God, I pray for them. 
Lord, you know, that they would change and that they would be different. Oh man, geez, they should be here for this sermon today. You know, they need to hear this. If only they could hear this, then I know something would be different for them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because look at what they're doing. Look, look at what they've done to their kids. Look at what they've done to their, to their, to their parents. Look what they've done to their, to their friends. Look, what, look, look, look at them. Gosh, <laughs> oh, yuck. It's so dirty. I'm so clean. I'm, they're, they're not amazing. But just lucky I'm pretty good, you know, compared to them. You know, you don't find this practice in the Bible at all. It's not there. That's human behavior. That's sinful behavior. In the Bible, it's always this. Yes, there has been injustice. Yes, I have been wronged. Yes, there are things that are not right. Yes, things would have been different had that not been done to me. Yes, had Phineas... And his brother, Hophni, not done that to us, our lives would be different. We would still have the ark, we would still have the presence of God with us. It wouldn't be with the Philistine camp, the enemies. We would have the prosperity, we would have the, 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 the wealth, we would, have, we would have the presence of God, we would have His guidance, we would have His wisdom. Things would be different, but they're not. So how dare they take that from us? God, bring death upon them. God, bring destruction upon those guys. Make them change, God, so that my situation can be different. The whole time, you know what God's doing? We start to get into this place where we're angry at the injustice, and it begins to change us. It begins to rot our soul. And it, when we walk into this trap, where, where we, like a bear trap set in the snow, and it just, boom, gets on us. And the enemy says, yes, I've got them. I've got them outside of the will of God. You know why? Because they think it's the sins of others that are making them sin. But really, they're choosing sin for themselves. This is why Jesus said, forgive others as I've forgiven you. And it's not about what they've done. It's about the choices you're making. And this is the hard word of God. I'm telling you, this is a hard word today. But it will rescue you. It will rescue you if you begin to think this through. What is your Ebenezer? What is your place of loss? What is your place where if it hadn't been done to you, it would be different? Where's your injustice? God wants to set you free from a place where that rules your life today. And the way it rules your life is by you holding on to the bitterness and the rage and the anger and all the things that should have been done that weren't done. And you might even think, well, I know I'm just not going to be like that. No, that's not good enough. Because that is driving you. That's your leader. You're going to constantly live your life not being that person. You can be totally outside of the will of God. Maybe God had something else for you to do other than not be that person that, that, was, that, that, that did that injustice to you. <clears throat> What's your Ebenezer? It's a place of loss. 
So as the story goes later on with the Israelites, we see God, as He always does, do this most incredible thing. Who knows that God is gracious? Who knows that God is amazing? (laughs) If it wasn't for Him, I'm telling you. And we see that here. In, if you turn over to Exodus chapter 19, um, verse 5 to 6. Hmm? Sorry, excuse me. Oh yeah, I missed out a scripture. That's okay. One, uh, one sec, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to read a little, amount, a little amount of that from verse 2 through to verse 17. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. They came to a place, I mean, there's a lot in the story here that I can't cover. A lot happened, a lot of wrong, a lot of loss. But the Israelites came to a place where they were like, we need you, God, we need you, God, we need you, God, we need you back, God, please come back. And they had gotten into this position because they have their justified sin. Then all the people turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Asteroths and the, commit yourselves to the Lord and serve Him only. And He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their bowels and Asteroths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And on that day they fasted and there... They confessed. And here is the key. One word would have changed this whole situation. Instead of saying they, they said we. If they had said they have sinned against the Lord. They would have been outside of His will. They would have been outside of His covenant. They would have been outside of His mercy. But because they said, we have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving the leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel was, had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them because this place, they thought, was, is a place where you would assemble to attack the nation of Phili- um, the Philistine nation, and uh, so so they thought, well, we're going to attack them first. And so when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of these Philistines. They said to Samuel, "Do not stop crying out to the Lord God for us, that He may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines." Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. We have sinned against the Lord. We have sinned against the Lord. It's not about them anymore, guys. It's not about what was done to you. Please don't let that be your focus. I know it was bad. I know it was unjustified. I know it wasn't right. I know it has changed you. I know it has marked you. I know it has scored the depth of your soul. But listen, it, what's done is done. What's past is past. 
What is the sin that you have committed as a result of that? That's what you need to worry about because there lies the trap. So while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in the battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and drew them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel, he does something. It's insane. It's mad. It's just God, I'm telling you. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shem. He named it Ebenezer. I'm telling you something. God is going to rename your loss. Because that word Ebenezer means, thus far the Lord has helped us. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. I want you to see this. I want you to know this. As you begin to work towards the place where you are ready to let go of everything, all of the injustice, all of the stuff, and stop focusing on that and begin to to examine your own heart, That is the place where a new altar gets built. Where a new place of God's provision is set. There's this other scripture. It it goes like, something like this. It says that that Jesus is going to seat you in a feast in the presence of your enemies. In the place of your loss, in the worst thing, in the most, the wrong place, you're going to see God at work in your Ebenezer, in your loss. And it's going to be renamed, it's going to be removed, and it's no longer going to have power over you in Jesus' name. Come on, you can clap. I'm telling you something, today can be an Ebenezer for you. Well, you just let it go. Well, you just forgive as you've been forgiven. Not in a trivial way, but in a real way. And maybe you're going to have to do this for the rest of your life. Every day you're going to have to say, I forgive them. Because you cannot be driven by that. You are not going to fall into that trap where the enemy is lurking, where he's waiting for you to begin to choose selfishness, to choose pride, to choose arrogance, to choose stuff and justify yourself because of the wrong that has been done to you. Listen to me, that is the trap. That is our walk, that is our path of redemption where you begin to choose Jesus daily and walk towards him and you turn away from the things that the enemy has for you and you turn towards God. That is repentance and it starts in your Ebenezer. It starts in your place of lost. Don't try and put that stuff away and pretend it's not there. It's there. Don't pretend that it's not affecting you. It is affecting you. Deal with it. How do you deal with it? Examine your heart. 
Look at the sin that's caused you to partake of and repent. And no freedom. Know it. Walk in it. And as we do that, this Christ, he becomes, he becomes our cornerstone. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.